uh, I encourage you to, to, to take that song and, uh, <clears throat> again, reflect on its words. Tonight we're going to be in Genesis chapter number 24. Genesis chapter 24. And, uh, again, it's, it's new for me to preach on Sunday night, but I'm thankful for the opportunity. And uh, don't have the privilege, but that's okay. We'll, we're going to keep it short tonight. Uh, I've only got three points, by the way. Normally, I give you four points, but we've got three points tonight. And tonight, we're going to look at an unnamed man in the Bible. I had mentioned something about this, I think, in Sunday school or last week, whenever. And um, despite not having his name mentioned in Scripture, I think there's a lot of things we can learn from the character, from the individual that is named or at least identified here uh, in the Word of God. Many times we look at the well-known people in the Bible and we think we want to emulate them or we look at their lives and we think, that's great, I want to follow David, I want to follow Moses, I want to follow people like that. Maybe even uh, look at Ruth and Esther and Mary, uh, other examples that we could follow throughout Scripture. But here in Genesis chapter 24, we find a familiar account that we may have read many times. And I want us to read and focus on one verse. We'll look at the rest of the chapter as we go through this evening. But tonight I want to look at just verse 27 and focus on uh, what is said here. In Genesis chapter 24, verse 27, the Bible says, And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. Here's what I want you to focus on. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. The phrase here I want us to think about tonight is, I, being in the way, the Lord led me. Tonight, asking that simple question, are you in the way? Are you in the way, allowing God to direct your life and lead you to be a servant of His? But let's have a word of prayer as we get started tonight. Lord, again, we do thank you for another opportunity we have to meet together tonight, to be able to open up your word once again. Look at this example of a young man, or excuse me, of an elderly man, uh, an elderly servant of, of Abraham and all that he was able to do, but also to stop and think about our, our own lives. Are we in the way? Are we being used by you like we should? And Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to think about this servant to look at his example, to, to see what Scripture gives us. And Lord, help us to draw from it as well. Lord, we love you. Again, we thank you for those that are here tonight. Pray that you'll bless this time we have together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let's go back and look at the beginning of this chapter. Kind of set the stage, if you would, of what is going on. Genesis chapter 24, let's look at verse number 1. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age. And the Lord blessed Abraham with all th- in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. Put thou, put thou, but thou shalt go unto my country, unto my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. We see here Abraham is getting old in years. He's getting up there. And he's wanting his son Isaac to have a wife to pass on this land that God had blessed them with. Isaac, or excuse me, Abraham wanted Isaac to have a wife from his country. His kindred and where he came from. Not a wife of the Canaanites. Now what was so important about not getting a wife from the Canaanites? What do we know about the Canaanites? Talk to me tonight. This is a little more... What? Okay, they were involved in idolatry. What else do we know about the Canaanites? Picture of the world, okay. What else? 
Anything else? Anything else? Anything else? Well, if you were to look back in Genesis chapter number 9, verse 25, you would find that they were a cursed people. It says, and he said, cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be unto his brethren. The Canaanites were a cursed people. They, committed, uh, they were committed to slavery, idolatry, and were very wicked people. So how was it that God was going to use these people to allow his seed to come through and to take hold of the nation that he had given them, the land that was promised, the seed that was given? How was it to come through uh, these uh, idolatrous people? Abraham said, I, I don't want that to happen. I want you to go back to where I came from, go back to my people, and get Isaac a wife. Can you imagine having somebody go pick your wife for you? Probably wouldn't work out so well, would it? Uh, but that's what happened back then is they, they weren't able to go out and choose or hang on high school or go to the mall or whatever. Uh, mom and dad went and found one and brought them to you. Covered, you couldn't see, you didn't know what you were getting. It's almost like Christmas. You open the package, surprise. Uh, <laughs> that's the way it happened back then. But again, he said, go back to my kindred. Go back to where I came from and get Isaac a wife. So again, uh, we see how important it is to think about who you marry. I know we've got some young ones in here, but stop and think how important it is who you marry. It's the second most important decision you'll ever make in your life. First one being salvation. The second one being the one you marry. That's how important it is. And again, this is why we stop and think about that. Uh, it's not something that's based on an impulse decision or an act of lust. It is something that we must pray about and seek God. With this important decision, Abraham didn't just want to leave it to anyone. He didn't want to go down the street and say, Hey, uh, uh, can you do me a favor? Go find me a wife. He didn't uh, just look around uh, maybe his, his, uh, his land or uh, his servants and said, um, Hey, Joe, uh, go get me somebody. He went specifically to somebody that was important to him. Again, we find here, uh, this individual was not named here in this portion of Scripture. Uh, many commentators believe this is Eleazar of Damascus, uh, Abraham's servant mentioned back in Genesis chapter 15. So this may be uh, who he was referring to, and uh, I would probably believe that because, again, it says that he was, uh, <clears throat> had been with him for quite a long time, the eldest servant of his house, so he had been with him probably for many years. That was somebody he trusted. Again, you go back and, and look at verse number 1 there. It says that Abraham was blessed in all things. This servant was in charge of all that Abraham had. Everything in his life, everything that he, he had, this servant was in charge of. Kind of reminds me of Joseph. Joseph was in charge of everything Potiphar had, was he not? He was very important. He was uh, somebody that Potiphar could look to. And this is the same thing with this servant. He was in charge of all that he had. He had the responsibility and he said, hey, you're my number one man. You're the guy I trust with the most. You're the one I trust because I've given you everything I've got for you to handle and take care of. And because you've proven yourself over and over and over again by taking care of what I've got, I've got a job for you to do. I've got a very important job. I want you to go and find my son a wife. Now, we don't really know a whole lot about this servant. There's not a whole lot of scripture that mentions who he is, what he is, where he came from, other than that simple, uh, small portion back in Genesis chapter 15. But what we find here with this account is something that is, is so important that drew me to this, that we can draw out three things tonight from his character. Three things that we can find here that we find, uh, again, that's important with this servant. Number one is his promise. His promise. As you look in verse number nine, it says, And the servant 
put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swear to him concerning this matter. Now, first of all, we see the servant had a promise to Abraham. What is a promise? A promise is a declaration, written or verbal, made by one person to another, which binds the person who makes it. You know, I remember growing up, we used to do the, the pinky promise. You ever do that? That was an unbreakable promise, wasn't it? You made that pinky swear, your pinky promise. Do they still do that? Do you guys know what that is? Okay. Yeah. That, that was unbreakable, wasn't it? But this was even more so than that. It was something that was far greater than that. It was a vow. And when we vow something to the Lord, it is something we must make sure we follow through on. But it seems to like uh, today's society, your word means nothing. You know, it used to be you could get anything and do anything with a handshake. Nowadays, if you don't have a three-by-five blue index card filled out in triplicate, signed by Dr. Spock or some other uh, officer of the Star Trek Enterprise, then you don't get it what you're looking for. You're not getting what you need. That contract is nothing. But it's important for us to understand our word is our bond. Whether it means anything to society doesn't, doesn't matter. It means something to God. When we say something, then we are to make sure that we follow through that. Again, Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse number 21 says, When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. Not holding up to your word, not following through with what you've made, that promise is a sin. So that should tell you how important your word is. There are many examples that we can look at in Scripture about giving promises. Esau sold his birthright with a promise. King Herod had John the Baptist beheaded because of a promise. Can you imagine that? Having to follow through with a, getting your head chopped off just because you told somebody you would do it. It's vowing a vow. It's that important. Abraham wanted this servant to swear to him, to give him his word that he would follow through with his instructions and do it exactly like he was asked. Think about this. His servant could have gone down the road Got any girl he saw, brought him to Abraham, said, here you go. He wouldn't have known the difference, right? They're all covered. So this servant could have, could have a shortcut. He could have uh, done whatever he wanted to, not made the long trip or the journey or anything. Just walked down the street and said, hey, uh, yeah, you, come here. And take him to Abraham. Job's done, complete. Yeah, I'm finished. But that's not what... He was going to do. He had enough fortitude. He had enough honor in himself that he was going to follow through with a promise exactly with what Abraham wanted him to do. Let me ask you this. What is your character like? Is that what we would have done in that situation? Are we as loyal as we say we are when it comes to the things of God, we say oftentimes, yes, I love you, Lord, and I want to follow you. I'm going to do whatever your will is. But oftentimes, we come up short in following that command. If we did love God like we say we would, then we would understand John chapter 14, verse 15, would be a part of our everyday lives. If you love me, keep my commandments. But as we go through the day, we decide, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, or I don't have time for this, and I don't want to do that. We're telling God that it's not important, yet we say we love God. We promise things so often, but 
How often do we follow through with them? When we get convicted about something or we get into trouble and we, we promise God that I, I'll do whatever if you'll just help me through this situation, help me through this trial, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Can you imagine if God acted like we do sometimes? What if he treated us the same way we treated him? I'll do this for you if you do that for me. Thankfully, God does not do that. He doesn't treat us that way. He is always faithful. He's always true. He's always right. He's always just. But stop and think about Scripture. What if what we read in the Bible was not true? What if God uh, and His faithfulness was not as pure as His Word says? Could you imagine not having John chapter 4 or 5 verse 24 in the Word of God? It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed unto death, unto life. That promise of salvation we have, thankfully, and it's not one we have to question or wonder, well, did God really mean it? Was he, is he going to be faithful to what he said? We don't have to worry about that. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. When you're going through troubles and trials, aren't you thankful that God will never leave us? And that is a promise that has been given to us in Scripture. It's something we can hold our hat on or hang our hat on. Understand it's true. It's right. It's always there and He will always be there. So just think about where you would be today if it wasn't for God's promises. What kind of a mess would you be in? Just because you're in church right now doesn't mean that you won't fall away from God and into sin. I think there's a lot of times we have that misconception that, well, I'm in church right now. After all, it's Sunday night. But yet we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, next month, next year, to where we could easily slip away. This servant made a promise. Not only did he make a promise, he kept it. You may say, it's hard to do that or I can't do that. If you look throughout this chapter, you'll see that this servant didn't rely on his own strength, but he relied on God through prayer. Number two tonight is his prayer. What is so significant about his prayer? First, we see that his prayer was selfless. He had a selfless prayer. Look at uh, Genesis chapter 24 and verse number 12. And it says, And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day, and show kindness unto my master Abraham. He asked that God would allow him to quickly take care of their request and show kindness to his master. How many times do we pray only for ourselves? We pray in order to gain or seek uh, some kind of gain on our behalf. Other times we may pray and ask God to, to help or bless a family member or a loved one. It's almost like we're selfishly praying for what we want. But that's not the case here with this servant. Society today has become selfish, just like the scribes who wanted to follow the Lord Jesus in Luke chapter number 9. But they let their own desires get in the way. Look with me in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter number 9. As we begin reading there in verse number 57. Luke chapter 9. Starting in verse number 57. The Bible says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, 
I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Isn't that our answer sometimes? Lord, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Now, we don't understand or we don't know if his father had died or if he was just getting up in years or what at this point. But basically he was saying, Lord, I don't want to follow you yet. Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to. Oh, oh wait a minute, you want me to go right now? No, no, uh, just wait. Uh, when my father passes, then I'll come follow you. He's giving him an ultimatum. He's giving him his desire and his want. Verse number six, he said, Then Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Don't stick around. Don't wait for that. Go and do what I've called you to do. And another said also, or another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my home, at my house. And Jesus saith unto them, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Another one gives another excuse. Another excuse. I would follow you, Lord. I want to do what you want me to do, but it's not my timeline yet. It's not exactly what I wanted to do. It's not the way I want to do things. Our culture has no difference than what we find here in Luke chapter number 9. It's the me first attitude. Everything has become so self-centered. It's all about me and what I want. But this servant had no concern for himself. Now we don't know if he had any needs. We don't know his lifestyle. We don't know what his, what his problems were. What, what anything about him. Or do we know anything about those that were traveling with them? We don't understand if they had needs or anything else. But he was willing to say, whatever the master wants, I'll do. Wherever the master wants me to go, I'll go. When he says it's time to go. And that's what we need to have. That same type of desire of following our Lord. Second, we see that his prayer was specific. Not only was it selfless, but it was specific. Look at verses 13 and 14 of our text. It says, Behold, I stand here by the well of water. And the daughters of the men of the city came out to draw water. And let it come to pass that the damsel in whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou showed kindness unto my master. Again, this servant had left his country, had left his land to go where his master Abraham had told him to go. And he had traveled this distance and he had gone and he had sat down and wondering, how am I going to know what it is the Lord wants me to do? How am I going to know the person that comes and knows the woman that's supposed to be for my master's son? I don't know about you, but could you imagine going to the mall and saying, okay, I'm going to find my son a wife. Who's it going to be? Anybody, anybody take names? Uh, randomly touch how do we know it's the same thing here they they all went to the well the women went to the well to to water to bring water home and that was their their job if you would for the day so he knew where to go i'm going to go to the well because that's where the women are going to go that's where i'm going to meet somebody that i know is going to be right for isaac i know that me personally i can't take hints very well I don't know if it's a man thing or what, but I don't take hints at all. It's terrible. So when I pray, I have to ask the Lord specifically, what is it that you want me to do? And how is it that you want me to do it? Because I want to make sure I'm following Him. Take me moving to Kansas, for instance. 
I've shared this story many times before that I was wondering what to do. And my time frame was much further down the line than what God's timeline was. And I was waiting uh, for what was going to happen. When, am I, when was I going to go and, and go into the ministry? When was I going to retire and this, that, and the other? And I kind of laid out the fleece like Gideon had done. Lord, if it be your will, make this a unanimous decision. I didn't share that with anybody but Bridget during that week when the church was praying about uh, inviting me to come on or not. And the first words out of his mouth when he called was, there's been a unanimous, unanimous decision for you to come. Are you going to come? And I said, I have to. I've already laid out the fleece, God. Uh, and he's answered my prayer exactly the way I prayed it. Was that circumstance? I hope not. I don't believe so. But God answered my prayer. Because I specifically prayed and said, Lord, I need an answer from you. And I'm praying, I'm asking, and I'm wanting to know exactly your will for my life. So I'm praying this exact prayer. And he gave me the exact answer I needed. It's amazing how that works. If we would just simply pray specifically and ask for that answer. There have been many times that we are still not wanting to listen to God because of what we want or how we want. Years ago when we were in Alaska, during the Christmas time, I was going to go visit my brother. Uh, I lived in Anchorage. He lived in Fairbanks, which is about six to eight hours depending on weather. Uh, and that was just a normal trip for people that live in Alaska. Uh, so you can imagine, a long trip. This was the day before Christmas Eve. Packed up the family and I said, uh, all right, Lord, uh, we're going to go visit my brother tomorrow. But if it's not your will that we go, make somebody sick. Okay. We woke up that morning and I had flu-like symptoms. I've got this. It's no problem. It's not going to affect anybody but me. That was my thinking. I'm a man. I can deal with it. Press through and let's go. We get moving up, heading to... Uh, Fairbanks, halfway up there, we get to the, the base of the mountains, and the road is closed going north. Avalanche, taking out the road. Can't go north. Just found out they closed the roads coming from the south that I was just driving through in a minivan of all things. Uh, snow drifts, two or three feet high, had just blown in. We were kind of piling through them. We had about four cars in one line just going. When one would slide off, we'd stop, push him back on the road, and keep going. We made it to a little city called, or a little city, a town called Cantwell. It was a gas station. That's basically it. A gas station and a church. We made it there. was wondering why traffic had stopped. Why all these trucks were pulled over at the gas station. Come to find out, trooper come over, knocked on the window, said, Hey, the road's closed to the north, avalanche. They're closed to the south because the snow drifts. You're going to have to spend the night here. So here I had my family in a minivan in Cantwell, Alaska going, hmm, maybe I should have listened to somebody. And thankfully there was a pastor there from the church that came around and said, hey, we're going to open the church if you want to spend the night, sleep on the floor. Uh, it's about the best we can do, but at least it's warm. So we went in and we spent the night in the church. He fed us dinner that night and breakfast the next morning. There were probably, oh, 20, 25 people in this little church, about half the size of this auditorium. 
You know, it's amazing that God will still take care of you even though you're disobedient to his will. I should have stayed home. Yeah, looking back now, that's easy. I should have stayed home. Hindsight is 2020, isn't it? But in that moment, I wanted to see my brother. I wanted to go north. I wanted to be up there for Christmas. God said, you prayed. And I gave you an answer. A very specific prayer and a very specific answer, but you didn't listen. So because of that, I had a scratch on my windshield. Uh, you know, when, when, when the, they use a lot of pebbles and rocks along with salt to keep the roads clear. And a little pebble had gotten up in my windshield wipers and scratched it right across the center. Aggravating me. I looked out the windshield. It was a scratch. Yes, Lord. I'm sorry. I didn't listen. It's amazing those things can constantly be a reminder to us. Are we faithful? Are we obedient to following God? And that's exactly what happened there. I prayed specifically, but I didn't listen and follow the answer. But that's exactly what we are to do. We are to continue to pray to get that answer that we need. Of course, Gideon did this in Judges chapter 6, verses 37 through 40, where he asked the Lord to give him direction. He laid out the fleece and said, Lord, make the, the fleece wet and the ground dry. God did that. Okay, great. There's your answer. But he was stubborn and said, Lord, now can we do it in reverse? Can we make the, the, the fleece wet and the ground dry? And God did that. Again, giving him the answer that he needed. But think back when Abraham prayed specifically uh, asking God to save Sodom. First, he asked for the 50 righteous. If there are 50 be righteous in the city, will you save it? And God answered that prayer. Oh, if there be 40, if there be 30, if there be 20, if there be 10. And he goes down the line and God says, yes, yes, yes. He answered his prayer. We must learn to pray, but don't just pray mediocre prayers. Pray specifically and pray selflessly. The third thing that we find from this unnamed servant is his precise obedience. His precise obedience. Abraham's servant demonstrated true obedience. True obedience is obeying swiftly, completely, and with the right attitude. I think we've already heard that once this morning in our adult Sunday school class when we were talking about raising kids and understanding obedience. This is exactly what we find in this example from this servant. He obeyed swiftly, completely, and with the right attitude. If you look at verse number 17 of our text, it says, And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. If you recall, he said, Lord, have this be an answer to my prayer. That she will not only give me water to drink, but she'll also want to give my camel's water as well. You go back and you read the rest of the account in that chapter. And that's exactly what happened. He didn't just sit back. He didn't sit back and wait and say, okay, Lord, I'm waiting for you to, to point your finger in and tap that person or them come to me. He got up and ran. There was a woman coming to the well and he ran up and said, hey, hey, excuse me. Can I get a little bit of water to drink? Why, sure. Here's some water. Uh, these are camels. Can I, can I water the camels as well? He answered his prayer specifically. We would say the same thing about our own prayer. Are we hurriedly, are we uh, excited when we get an opportunity to go to God and, and talk with Him and, and do what He's called us to do? We are the Lord's servant, but yet, how often do we obey swiftly? We hear preaching, we read the Word of God, we think that sounds nice, but once it leaves the building and once we put the Bible down, 
that thought just goes away. That desire is no longer there. We're not wanting to follow God as we know we should. We become a hearer of the word and not a doer. This servant also obeyed completely. Again, he went to an unknown land, found Isaac, a wife of Abraham's kindred. And as I said earlier, he could have picked anyone. He could have taken any woman he saw. He could have gone outside the city and found somebody, whatever, and brought them back. But instead, he went all the way to where his master set him for him to go. He found a wife of Abraham's kindred. Once he found the right one, he obeyed with the right attitude. He didn't just say, Woo, look how good I am. Can you imagine that? First try. I'm ting, yeah. Come on, woman, let's go. That's not his mentality. That was not his attitude. What did he say? Look with me at verses 26 and 27. He said, And the man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute, my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. He bowed his head and worshipped God and said, Lord, thank you for directing me. Thank you for guiding me to the right person exactly who is needed. He didn't take credit for it. He didn't pat himself on the back. He didn't go around bragging to his friends on how great of a job he had done. He had thanked God for allowing him to find the exact person that he needed. He was simply in the way. There's a lot of people that want to be used by God. There's a lot of people that want to be faithful to God, but they are not in the way. They are not being used by God because they're not busy doing what they know. Well, uh, you don't understand. I want to make sure I follow God and I'm doing exactly what He wants me to do. And I'm just waiting for Him to tell me. We understand in Scripture there are general wills of God. General wills, understanding that God wants any, everyone to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Salvation is number one. That we should be a witness. That we should be faithful to the house of God. That we should give of our tithes and offerings. Those are general wills for all that are saved. And there's others that we can look at. If we're not doing those general wills, those things that we know Scripture identifies for all those that are saved, then we'll never understand and know the specific will that God has for you. If you're not in the way, doing those things you know are right, then you'll never understand that specific task God has for you. Maybe it's because you are in the way. Sometimes we get in the way. We are not in His way. We're not doing the things He wants us to do. We are the one that are blocking the progress. We are in His way instead of being in the way. So what about you tonight? What are you following? Where are you going and how are you living your life? Are you following God as you should or has self got in the way? I'd love to follow God. I'd love to do this, but we give excuse after excuse. We've got to make sure that we are in the way to be used by God. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed tonight. Maybe the Lord